Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, bringing you expert insight on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture, and helping you navigate the Emerging Europe region. Hosted by Andrew Robel. Remember to visit the show's page, emerging-europe.com forward slash multimedia, or check the hashtag EETalks on social media. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of Emerging Europe Talks Sustainable Impact. My name is Andrew Robel, and today I am joined by Irina Volnitska, who is the president of SET University. Irina, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Hello, Andrew. Thank you so much for inviting me. Perfect. So we're going to talk about education today. And if I look at my diplomas, I've been quite fortunate to have a couple of them. The last time someone actually asked me to show them my diploma was probably some 20 years ago. I don't even remember. So the first question I want to ask you is, what is the value of higher education in the 21st century right now? It's a very good question. And uh, uh, you see it from the business perspective and from your experience. But for students and for the parents, the state diploma is still very important because they have this historical memory that uh, to find a job, you need a diploma. But of course, in our our, uh, world, when um, the technology and the world world is changing so fast, you need uh, to have the ability to upskill yourself very fast and in a very efficient way. And uh, even in Ukraine, for example, uh, I think that a majority of engineers, they don't have a diploma in engineering, a standard diploma, because uh, we have a lot, the education is Ukraine, is in Ukraine is uh, suffering a lot right now. And uh, for example, I can show you some numbers, like we have 30,000 of graduates each year, and only half of them uh, can find a first job in tech because the education is so poor. And uh, we solve this program with uh, different IT academies, which uh, never provide you with uh, the diploma, but they will provide you with uh, practical skills. And yeah, and it is much more important in uh, the modern world. But still, uh, the higher education, it's not only about practical skills. Higher education, it's also about uh, your ability and uh, how to teach uh, the most important uh, skills, soft skills because it is the only thing that we need in our modern world to know how to learn, to have critical thinking and so on. And after this, you can build all other digital skills. And it doesn't matter how you are going to build it. And uh, the higher education, it's still it is very important, but they need uh, to teach you some fundamental sciences and soft skills to teach you how to learn in future, how to success in future. And I think it's the main goal of uh, the universities right now. When you think about, for example, when I was picking my studies 20 whatever years ago, my idea was that perhaps, and I would say a lot of people would think the same way, was that we would be choosing a career for our entire life, right? These days, and I have a nephew who actually started university last year, and, you know, for him, it was particularly difficult to think of one 
course, one set of subjects that he would like to focus on at the age of, of 19. So how should we go about taking or, or selecting our studies right now when we've just graduated from high school? I want to mention that even now we work in professions that uh, didn't exist 10 years ago. And our children, they will study for professions that uh, is not existing right now. And uh, we have some statistics that uh, in tech universities, you will study some uh, courses uh, that will be outdated when you are going on the third grade, for example. That's why, as I said, it's very important to understand uh, the direction, like medicine, uh, or is it uh, like a STEM profession? And uh, then you can build uh, your own uh, path to it. But still, the, uh, the main goal of the university is to provide these fundamental uh, knowledges. And then you can, anyways, like, there is no other choice. You will need to learn during all your life because... Uh, the duration of skills uh, right now, it's uh, less than five uh, years. So each five years, you need uh, to develop a new skill. So uh, the main point here is uh, uh, to learn how to study and to have this knowledge, how to obtain this knowledge and to think critically, of course. That leads me to ask you a question about lifelong learning, because it seems that we will, all of us, will have to, like you said, one skill is valid for five years only. So that means that we will have to upskill or reskill or you know, find a completely new skill set within the next five years. So how should we go about that? It's also interesting to mention that in future, our children, they will change 10 professions, eight of which uh, doesn't exist right now. What we understand is that uh, the work will be fundamentally redesigned, not just the kind uh, of work we do, but also how we do this work. And uh, the reskilling, it will be massive, so it's very hard to forecast what is going to be next. The technology is moving so fast, and uh, the best thing to do right now is just uh, to find your way to, uh, to this uh, lifelong learning. And uh, there is uh, like a lot of possibilities that didn't exist uh, like 10 years ago, like Coursera and all these platforms. Technology makes everything uh, very accessible to everyone. You mentioned that I'm looking at education from a business perspective, and perhaps it's worth asking you how you see this sort of knowledge or skills gap, if you will, because we have students or graduates actually who, who have just left university. And oftentimes, they're not prepared to work yet because they don't have the, the skills. So how can we sort of minimize this gap between, you know, what employers expect and what they need, actually, and what graduates actually have to offer? It's all about cooperation between businesses and universities, but sometimes universities are not very open to it and the businesses solve uh, this uh, problem on their side with all these academies, short-term courses. But again, I believe that uh, they are needed, that there, there is a lot of things that uh, we need to do in, at this point in collaboration between universities and uh, the businesses. For example, I think that it's not only about Ukraine also, that uh, we have this problem all over the world. A lot of uh, IT specialists, tech specialists, professors who used to work in the universities, they left universities and they joined like, IT companies. That's why, uh, especially in Ukraine, for example, the salary of a professor is $300 per 
per month and the salary of IT specialist is 5,000 per month. So you, they are not going uh, to go back to the university to teach. That's why there is like only possibility to create this, uh, this uh, cooperation between IT companies and universities. So the, uh, the IT specialists, they can teach actually in the universities to provide students with real business cases, to provide them with internships during their studies and so on. But sometimes universities uh, are not open to it because they are not ready to add to the program, like, I don't know, three months inter- internship. They don't understand the value of this still. And that's what we need to, to work on. And of course, universities, like, they also don't have any budgets, especially in Ukraine, to create, to work on uh, really interesting researchers. Uh, and I think uh, there is also government who can help with this. For example, I was thinking about tax reduction for the companies who supports universities and so on, and will be really useful. How do you see the role of universities right now? And also maybe what is the difference right now between state universities, those that are paid for from the state budget, and universities that are privately owned? Because it seems that the ones that are privately owned have more of a business-like mindset, if you will. It's a very different story in the U.S., for example, or in Ukraine. So I can tell you about uh, Ukraine or U.S. You can tell us about both, because as far as I know, you're now in New York. So you're going to be talking about uh, American universities firsthand as well. Yeah, and we have a, a partnership with the uh, University of California, Berkeley. It's actually the best uh, uh, public university in the world. And uh, uh, what I see here in the U.S. is that they have a lot of resources. They are very agile and flexible. And uh, in Ukraine, it's totally different. For state universities, they have a lot of limitations. They even can't use their budgets the way they want. And uh, of course, there is no funding from the government. There is no funding from anyone, again, because it's, they are very limited in what they can do. The problem with Ukraine is that we inherited uh, all the uh, legal system for education from the uh, Soviet Union. And there is still a lot of uh, problems. And uh, for technologies that is moving so fast, it's uh, impossible uh, like to provide students with all these regulations. For example, we will launch uh, the blockchain program, the blockchain master program, it will be the first program in Eastern Europe. And they can't provide students with a diploma in blockchain because there is no regulations for blockchain. They don't know what is blockchain. For example, to provide students with a state diploma, I still need uh, to have a lot of uh, very old school uh, professors. Like it doesn't mean uh, they, they don't... Uh, Rules are that you need like 20 professors with uh, who graduated from blockchain speciality to provide you with a blockchain uh, diploma, for example. And uh, like 20 years ago, there were no blockchain. So it's impossible for me to provide the blockchain diploma even in future. And that's why now we are pushing uh, the educational, IT educational reform just to have more professors or some specialists from businesses, not only professors from the university who wrote 100,000 articles on blockchain, for example, to have these licenses. And I think it's crazy and it is not moving anywhere if we don't change the regulations. The parents, they still want a diploma. You can't uh, sell the university without state diploma because they don't understand it. 
seems like a vicious circle. I can hear there are quite a few different obstacles, but are the current circumstances giving us opportunities for education, for the educational system? Opportunities for educational system. Uh, the problem, again, uh, I mentioned a lot the problem, but like I think education, it's, so, it's one of the crucial uh, industries in Ukraine. And the most problems that we have, we have in education because no one is interested in, in education. It's a very long-term project and there is no money for education. No one understands the value of education. And uh, I think that it's a miracle that we have uh, that we have so many engineers. But again, it's a legacy from the Soviet Union, from this science base that we used to have. But what we are going to do in future, I don't know. Like 600,000 students, they left the country. We don't have now a good education at school. And uh, I don't think that it is uh, an opportunity for education. I still, I think that uh, it's uh, more a huge problem for Ukraine because without education, okay, we will win the war. But education is the future because we need, like, the fuel for the economic growth is talent, and it's a well-educated talent. So for me, I see it's more than more like a problem that we need to solve, and no one is thinking about it because there is no money. There are a lot of crucial issues like children who doesn't have home and so on. So the education is the last in this list. Again, and you can't also to sell it as, as a business project because uh, businesses, uh, they are also not interested in helping education because uh, we don't have a culture uh, to pay for education because we used that it was free for a long time. And even now, if you say, okay, the master degree program will cost $1,000 per year and the cost of teaching is like 7000 and no one wants to pay even 1000 because they think, okay, it, it is too much. It should be free. So need, we need to, first we need to work with the culture. So it's a mindset change that is needed. And if we look at, I mean, we, we were talking about technology already. And uh, do you think that technology can somehow foster the development of education, enhance, you know, the development of education? Can we benefit from technology to grow our educational programs and uh, the number of students as well in any way? Yeah, for now, uh, it's uh, our only option because first we, technology saved us with COVID so we can learn online. Now uh, it's war and uh, there is only option for us to learn online. And a lot of schools, they don't uh, have uh, bomb shelters. So it's even not possible to study offline. That's why from, from the uh, from this point of view, it is uh, already saving uh, the educational system of Ukraine. And of course, uh, technology, it's always about digitalization, about optimization. So it uh, can optimize a lot of processes to redefine how we study right now. The very interesting thing is also to create your personal path of education, which uh, you are interested only, and it's also very nice. But for now, for Ukraine, like the most critical issue is uh, online education. And uh, I mentioned already Coursera. I know that uh, like two months ago, we had uh, the meeting with Coursera, and uh, uh, they were ready like, to provide Ukrainians with free courses. They already provided universities with free courses just to reskill a lot of uh, people in Ukraine because a lot of traditional industries like chemical industry, metallurgy, are physically ruined. And uh, the IT, the technology, it's uh, the only one well-performing industry. A lot of people, they lost uh, their jobs and uh, 
now they can move uh, or switch only to tech and we need to reskill a lot of people in the next years and uh, it uh, can be possible only with technology with the projects like Coursera and so on. We will talk about Ukraine in a moment, but I would like to also ask you about oh, the role of technology in education, let's say in 10-20 years time. How do you see we will be able to use technology then? How will it automate? How will it help us perhaps learn faster? First of all, uh, I believe that technology will automate a lot of works, a lot of jobs uh, that uh, is not going to exist in the future, like data entry and so on. Even now, ChatGPT, it can be your tutor, for example. Yes, you can work with it. It can help you to prepare your like, homework and so on. And now, now it's, I know that at, at some schools in the US, uh, they, ChatGPT was forbidden. And uh, I think uh, it's not a very good idea because uh, if, well, like a lot of years ago, internet was forbidden, the computer was forbidden, but we are all these people that uh, forbidden, uh, forbid to use all of uh, this uh, tech. I think the same way is going to be with AI and with technology. And uh, in terms of education, I believe that it will make uh, the education more accessible, more collaborative. Uh, again, it's about building your own path, making, uh, helping you to work on different business cases and so on. But in 10 years, it's like really, it's very, very hard to predict because it is moving so fast. I don't know even if uh, the universities will exist in 10 years. I hope that they will the way we see them uh, late now, right now. But I think that uh, the education, uh, like offline education, it will be a privilege for people with all this networking and so on. And uh, everything else can be optimized with tech. So tell us about SET University, which you run. How is it different and what kind of offering it has for students? It's a very interesting story because uh, it's a private university and the idea of the university came from a business founder because he has, he has uh, a lot of companies, startups, venture studio, venture fund in AI. And uh, he said that, okay, I have a lot of companies, but there, is, uh, there are not enough uh, employees. And the bigger pro problem is that, okay, we have engineers, but we don't, we don't have product managers. We don't know. Uh, we don't have engineers who can transform technology into business. Again, we have uh, this uh, legacy in like good fu fundamental studies like math, uh, physics, but we don't we don't have a culture of entrepreneurship. And uh, the traditional universities they are so bad. I mean, I mentioned some numbers that half of the graduates they can't find a job in tech. So uh, he said that he wants to create a new university. And it's not uh, like IT courses or something, but a real university like Stanford in Ukraine to change this culture. So the main goal of that university to help Ukraine to become the innovative hub in Eastern Europe. So we don't teach just technology. We teach our students how to transform technology into business. For example, all our students, instead of writing thesis, they create uh, their own startup as a graduation project. You mentioned that... Uh, you was never asked about your diploma. And my question for you is, have you ever uh, read your diploma work after graduation? No, I haven't. It was, I wrote it once and yeah, it's on my shelf somewhere. And I don't think anybody has, which is maybe a shame. Maybe, <laughs> but our idea, so, so the students, they can graduate with the project, with their own startup, and then we can help them 
to attract the investments, with the funding, with the connections, with network. And uh, for us, it's the only way how we see we can help Ukraine. Because again, we have 70% of uh, outsourcing companies. I don't say that it is like bad, but still we just sell our engineers and nothing, uh, nothing left for Ukraine. And the idea, so the added value of the product, they stay in Ukraine. So we teach uh, the new generation of tech leaders, tech founders. Still, we teach tech, but our main idea to transform the tech into business and into the idea, into the uh, startup. And you mentioned earlier that quite a few Ukrainian students have left the country right now. This might lead, if they don't come back, or maybe most of them don't come back, this might create some sort of uh, brain drain. How are you trying to change this uh, phenomenon? When the war started, I was so scared about brain drain. And even now, uh, there is a restriction for men to leave the country. We don't know what is going to happen when they can actually leave. And uh, when uh, the war started, we were thinking about brain drain and uh, all, about all the students who left the, uh, the country. So we started to work with uh, different international um, universities and uh, we provide uh, placement to these universities uh, for Ukrainian students, but under one condition. They need to come back to Ukraine to rebuild the country. But again, it is not working. It's not happening if we do not create the opportunities in the inside of the country. So like, the main point still remains the same. We need to create opportunities inside of the country to create products, companies, uh, everything for them to come back. If you look at the situation right now, of course, there is an ongoing war and uh, there are some opportunities that are quite limited at the moment. But what sort of education is needed right now to help Ukraine win the war? I would say that uh, there are two directions. First of all, uh, it's uh, reskilling of uh, people who lost their jobs, like to help economy, because uh, only tech sector now supports Ukraine uh, economy. It's uh, I think that half of uh, Ukrainian export last year came from uh, tech, and uh, we need to provide all these people with uh, new professions and with new jobs. So, like, uh, it's very important uh, for now to have this. Uh, programs for reskilling. I know that there is a big program from the Ministry of Digital Transformation for reskilling, for switchers, for people who want to join technology. And uh, it is very popular. That's actually also what we did in the beginning of the war, because we were like the first university who started to teach. And we knew that we don't need to teach uh, as a master's degree right now, but we need to help with this critical issue, because a lot of people with, uh, has no job. And uh, uh, the second direction, it's uh, military education also. Military cybersecurity, uh, again, because when the war started, we, I think that in Ukraine, there were very limited uh, quantity of the schools that can provide uh, military education. So when the war started, I know a couple of schools uh, that uh, in one month, uh, they had like 1,000 graduates uh, in different uh, military specialities just to support the army. And now we have so big expertise in this that I believe that in future we can become military hub, not only military, but also in education and so on. And once the war is over, because we're hoping that this will happen sooner than later, what sort of skills do you think will be needed in, in Ukraine? 
still, I think that technology will be fundamental in rebuilding Ukraine because uh, do we want to rebuild uh, chemical industry or metallurgy or we want to build a new economy, like digital economy in which uh, there is no place for corruption, new modern economy. And for this economy, we need new type of skills. And uh, again, uh, technology and innovations are, are fundamental for this. That's why I would say it's uh, still tech engineers, entrepreneurship, innovation, but uh, also physical rebuilding, rebuilding of Ukraine also will be necessary. Inf- so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's infrastructure engineers, it is civil engineers, it is urban planning, and so on. But again, we need to do it in a new way, like with the use of technology. And my final question to you, what about women? Because a lot of women have actually left the country right now, but also in a lot of cases, they are the breadwinners because their husbands, partners have joined the army. What can be done perhaps to help women reskill and and maybe become entrepreneurial, maybe become entrepreneurs? It's a good question. It's actually my favorite one because we have a unique situation in Ukraine right now. I already mentioned uh, IT Generation Project. It's uh, the project from the Ministry of Digital Transformation to reskill, uh, for reskilling people to help them to switch to technology. And uh, you know what? Uh, they had uh, more female applicants than uh, the male one and they accepted more women than men this time. So it's a unique situation in the world when uh, we have... Uh, more women in STEM education than men. I think that uh, we have a huge potential uh, in uh, women. It's uh, a huge part of uh, the workforce. And again, even now during the war, women can uh, leave the country. So we are not only providing like the bread, but we are all also the ambassadors of uh, our country. And uh, for example, for, st- for startup, uh, it's very nice to have a female founder because she can go outside of Ukraine to find the new partnerships and so on. And uh, each time uh, after the big war, there is a shift in uh, uh, women, uh, pers- in, in perception of women in the country. And uh, this time I hope that in Ukraine, we already see the new role of uh, women. And uh, what we can do, again, we need to provide them uh, with education, reskilling, of course. We will also have... Uh, boot camps for female founders. So we'll teach them how to create startups and so on. And they are one of the most important things that, uh, again, it's about Ukraine. Historically, the role of uh, women, it's uh, about the family, about caring about the men and so on. And uh, we still, there is a lot of uh, girls that we need to work with, be, to work uh, with this culture of uh, woman perception in the family. And uh, still, uh, if we were, if we talk about bachelor degree, for example, like 90% of abiturients is uh, men. And this is the problem. That's why we need to focus also on schools and uh, to promote STEM education for girls. It is like really, really very important even now. Irina, thank you so much for this perspective, for all the insights that you've shared with us. And fingers crossed for SET University. Your projects are truly inspirational and hopefully they will contribute to the future of Ukraine and the future of education as well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks.
make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com. Thank you.